What happens when you have two kids under two years old? You adopt one more, right? Well, that's just what today's guests did. Even though their families were sure that they'd gone crazy, Ruthie and John felt strongly that God was calling them to adoption, so they began the process. And that's where the story gets interesting. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Hello there, Legendary Marriage family. Welcome to the show. This is Danielle and Justin. So whether you've been listening for a long time or maybe this is your first time, we're so glad you're joining us. Yes, this is episode 84 and our guests today are adoptive parents, Ruthie and John Hart, and they are going to share their story of how they always planned to build their family through adoption, but went off their script by having two biological kids first. And then right as soon as baby two arrived, they started the choice to do the adoption process on baby three. And I said this in the teaser, but that's where the roller coaster ride just begins right there. Well, I mean, the having kids and building your family is nothing but a roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, for us, we had expectations of how we'd build our family and it was nothing like what we had thought either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just like Ruthie and John, looking back, it's like the perfect story for you. So um, no matter if you adopt or have kids biologically or whatever your story is, um, it's a roller coaster for sure. Yes. I mean, our baby number two, we didn't know Miss Caroline was coming along. Oh, and- we, we didn't, uh, we went through nine years of infertility to have our first child and the doctor, like we thought it's just impossible. Like mm-hmm. it's never going to happen naturally yeah. without, without severe aid. And then there, there she was. There she was. And now we have two sweet baby girls. Yes. So Ruthie and John now have three. They have two boys and a now girl. Now there's, there's the question. Can you imagine going to three? Yes. Let's get cracking, honey. Let's get cracking. Which that's my whip. Adoption or natural birth? Uh, like I don't know. That would that three just makes me nervous. Yeah. I, I don't like being outmanned. All right. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to our conversation <laughs> with Ruthie and John, who are brave enough to have three little kiddos. Here we go. We are so glad to have Ruthie and John Hart as our guests on the podcast today. So they are parents to three littles that came to them in three years. Oh my goodness. So crazy. Ruthie, <laughs> stay-at-home mom with an addiction to anything monogrammed. And I know that to be true. I know that to be true. And she has a business that supports the habit there. Oh, we need some monogram stuff. Uh, we'll talk to her later about that. And John loves his classic cars, basketball, getting on the floor with the kids. And they love sharing about their adoption story, being active together, traveling, eating at hole-in-the-wall restaurants. Ooh, we'll have to get some good uh, Yelp reviews too. And playing games, lots of games. Thanks so much for being on the show. And what games do you guys hey love guys. to play? 
Thank you all so much for having us. We're, it's our first podcast interview, and I had to, uh, you know, bribe John with. I'm already excited about this. Let's talk. Woo! About the games um, without kids, our current game is Rummy Cube. It's an old game. Love that. Love it. And I don't know this one. Addicted. It's great brain uh, exercising, and yeah. we are competitive. You can get it on Amazon now to your house in an hour. All right. Justin's and all about it. I'm getting on the Justin phone. Justin right is sold now. on it. So, <laughs> so you guys, we first met John and Ruthie like way, 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 way back in the day. How we, did we meet? We were, they were not married yet. Yeah. So they would come we, over to our backyard hootenanny. Oh, it was the hootenanny. That's right. Which is too funny because we now live in the neighborhood that you guys were living in. Really? So we came to your small group for a while. Yes. And I yeah. think we did a marriage study when we weren't married yet. That's that sounds like you guys it. overachievers. Like that. Yeah. We were like, we want to be good at this marriage thing. We're going to kill it. We're going to be so great. Yeah. And was the, was, the, was the small group, the study any good? Oh, yeah. Well, we're still married. Was, and well, we that was really a long pause. <laughs> you guys let it, so it was the best. I will say that at our premarital counseling, we did that test, you know, that everybody has to do. And our pastor yeah. came to us and said, I have bad news. You guys have way too high of expectations for marriage. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. But we're never going to fight. We're, it's going to be so perfect, you know. And then we got married and we're like, wow, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know, things can be tough. So how did you guys meet anyway? I was working at a software company. I was a, uh, a budding young sales executive and she was the uh, intern, college intern. Okay. So end of the story. The hot college story. intern. Typical, you know, uh, but married a year and a half later from the day we met. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I brought him home and I was like, mom and dad, you have to trust me. You have to trust me. But I was 20 years old when we met and um, the rest is history. I'm less of a creepy old guy now. We're, it's all very normal. Our ages so, are closer so. together now. Yeah. Is that how that works? No, it just when so you know, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you know that this was the one? Like this was the person forever and ever. Amen. For me, I I loved her sense of humor, loved her family. Oh my gosh, like, I'm getting like emotional. I, this is great. <laughs> I felt like I just it just worked. It was just so easy. It didn't feel like a bunch of work to get to hmm. you know, just get close to her, get close to them. Just I don't know. Like these people should have been around me forever. And then yeah, I family. He's an only child and I have a very big family. And so that was huge for you to come in and oh, see yeah. kind of how my family operates. And, um, for me, I was, I was younger and I was dating guys my own age. And I, I consider myself, I was always really motivated and, and meeting John and, and realizing, wow, there's guys out there who want to do something with their lives and who are confident and who are motivated. And that was huge for me. And we just had fun together. I mean, our first date was at Kirby Lane cafe down on campus off oh, yeah. of Guadalupe. And we were there for hours, just, you know, we can just, you just don't run out of stuff to talk about. And still yep. to this day, it's so fun that you just, we can talk, 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 talk. And there, there's always something to talk about. And that was, and, that was pre-board games. I mean, once we found board yeah. games, it was 
So, so that part of the story feels familiar for us. Oh. I just got to figure out how you got her to marry you in a year and a half. It took me seven <laughs> years. It, it, Jeez. It, it's probably, it probably would have happened sooner. Her dad was kind of like, <laughs> uh, this feels fast. Why don't we just wait a little while? It's like, no. okay. Maybe I should have led you along a little longer though. I love the part about um, you just felt part of the family right away. I can attest to this because like, so Ruthie and I work out together mm-hmm. and their family travels in a pack. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you probably worked out with like, my mom. I know her mom, her aunt, her like, you know, everybody like kind of travels in a pack and I love it. <laughs> I know. I I showed up to the gym this morning and no lie, my mom and I were matching light, like the shade of purple, the exact same shade of purple and light gray capris. I was like, come on. Is this the part where I act surprised? Nope. (laughs) We're like, y'all should take a photo. And I said, no. (laughs) It'll happen again next week. So we don't need a photo really. Yep. Oh my John, how do you deal with, with that? Like, like there's there's Ruthie's pack. I don't wear purple or capris much, so thankfully I don't match them <laughs> as often. Um, no, I I love it. I love I love how close her family is, and I get to be a part of that. So it's not like a oh I got to wrap my head around this thing. It's a good yeah. One. I think we have good boundaries, though. Boundaries are really healthy and necessary. Don't you agree? Oh, that? totally. Yeah. And having her folks around and her siblings around, it's like they want to be around for the fun stuff, but they're not hovering, like trying to be in our lives all the time. Sometimes we're like, could we get a date night? You guys want to come by more often? Maybe you could watch the kids a little bit more. And so <laughs> not like they are always in our stuff. Um, so I think it is a good mix. Justin's always trying to get my parents to like move in down the street. They live yeah. in Ohio and he'll, he'll there are like five houses within a block of us. He will literally send them like, you know, realtor.com right links and be like, you guys want to move in? This is only a couple blocks away. Hey, you, you make a joke about that. I just moved my mom down here from Cleveland, like in the last three months. So, so it's possible. Yeah, it's very possible. Okay. Still, that's, that's a whole other podcast interview. Yeah, so that's totally, yeah. That's yeah. to come. <laughs> yes, we'll see what those boundaries Poor are. Poor Cleveland, like. the news today. Oh, yeah. no, no LeBron. Right yeah. before we were about to go, I looked over at his phone and I saw a photo of LeBron. So, you know. Mm. I knew it was coming, so. I'm Cleveland's gonna... losing a lot of good people here. I don't know. <laughs> John's mom, LeBron. Right? Yeah. There's still What's the Browns, left? though. What's the left? Browns. Oh, goodness. Um, so, Moving right along. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so y'all have two little kiddos. And what made you think to or have a heart to adopt after you had two of your own? Back before we had kiddos, our neighbors were an adoptive family and we, we loved them and we knew they were believers. And, and they invited us to their church one Sunday because their church story team had flown with them to California to pick up their son. And we didn't know, you know, what this video was going to be. And we sat in the front with them and, and just got to see this beautiful picture of their family growing by adoption. And also the beautiful picture of the gospel. And it hit us right then and there like, wow, we are called like Christians. We are called to do this. And 
like we know people who are doing it. It's feasible. This is, this is a way of worshiping God. And so that was in 2012. We said, okay, yes, this is how we're going to grow our family. And then a couple weeks later we got pregnant. And so it kind of, kind of like, okay, God thought, you know, you were like, woohoo, adoption is how it's going to happen. And we got pregnant. Um, and then we got pregnant again, really soon after. And God, I guess you could say, blessed me with very challenging pregnancies and deliveries and recoveries. And so our daughter was four months old. Our second child was four months old. And which is a crazy time to think about starting to have another baby. Wait, what do you mean God blessed you with challenging pregnancies? I knew I didn't want to do it again. It was very, very hard. Like I was sick for 40 weeks. And when I am talking sick, I am throwing up eight to 10 times a day. I have diabetes. I have sciatica. And like every child is a perfect gift from heaven, whatever, you know, there's a scripture about that. But man, some people are just not meant to have them. <laughs> you were not going to embroider that on, on a t-shirt anytime soon. I, those unicorns who love being pregnant, those women, I'm so happy for them. But that was just, it was, I, I have a blood disorder, which made delivery very challenging and recovery. And it just... We kind of sat and thought, maybe God is really saying like, no more. And, and we desired to have a big family. Two was, was not where we were stopping. And we knew that. But she was a couple months old. And we said, this feels like we are done biologically. I have discernment on this. It feels good. And adoption, like God just placed it heavily. Like, you know, when you get like a deep conviction and it just keeps coming up and coming up. And so that started conversations with friends. Adoption is, is something that you hear about. And then when you want to do it, it's like, wait, do I just Google? Like, what do I do? So it's conversations we started having with people who we knew had adopted before. And by the time our daughter was eight months old, so we had a two-year-old and an eight-month-old, and we started the adoption process. And wow. what did your friends and family say at that point? They thought we were nuts, and then they <laughs> thought we were extra nuts when we said, God is really calling us to do this. And when God... <laughs> like, how many times have you checked, like... <laughs> better keep praying about it like uh and our our kind of like comeback to that was well we don't know if it's gonna take two years three years or you know sometimes adoptions can take multiple years and um god just had it in our family to to bring our son home pretty quick if we didn't have you know the missional community the the church family like all of that around us kind of cheering us on the folks that have already been there, done that, that could give us all the, all the comfort in knowing kind of what to expect. I think that made it so much easier for us. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, for, for most folks, they look at us like, you're crazy. Why? why my parents were like bug-eyed, but why on earth? Well, I'm 10 years older than my brother. So they're like, uh, what, <laughs> excuse me, what, what's going on? Um, and we just stepped out in faith. Like we were going to keep walking through doors that he was opening until he closed one. And it just, we were, we open. were <laughs> and, and he left it open. He yep. left it open. And we were, 
very content in our family and, and knowing that our family wasn't complete, but it's not like we were just, you know, dying so hungry. We had to get a baby this second, but we just wanted to take the steps that we knew God was calling us to. And knowing that it does take a long time, we wanted to be prepared and we liked having our first two kids close together. So heck, why not just three, three and three years? (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you, you talked about like just that relationship with God and how you felt the leading and everything in the adoption process. What'd you learn about yourselves in, in the middle of that? Obviously we knew that we were being called to it. Right. So for us to then obediently follow what we felt like we were supposed to do, and then to just see, you know, so much good come of it, it's just, uh, solidifies, what we believe and why we believe it and, you know, the mission that we're on. Right. And so recognizing that we are adopted, that we are called to adopt, that we can adopt and, you know, change Gideon's life because who knows what situation he would be in, that he can be this amazing part of our family, this, you know, fulfill this missing piece in us to see our family now and to just know that, you know, what if we wouldn't have had him? What if we would have ended up with this little girl? Like how different would our yeah. lives have been to know that we so frequently get asked about, it's like, so wait a second, you guys had two biological kids and then you intentionally adopted. I'm sorry. Walk me through that. Like we have so much opportunity to get to share his story and to get to encourage people to pursue adoption themselves. We have so many folks that are like, Oh man, we've always wanted to do that. It's like, great. Interesting. Let's Let's answer any questions that you have that scare you off of doing. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? The, the strange reactions people have when you do something that is not just like, so, so in the box. Yeah. So expected. Mm -hmm. And it sounds risky too. Like maybe to a lot of people, maybe for you guys, you were called to it. And so like you already had your brain around it. But for a lot of people, that feels scary and risky sure. and vulnerable to even start the process. Yeah, because yeah, you have to think of it as like un- adoption is unnatural in the world. It's it's not something that's naturally occurring. Um, and it was weird and it is weird, too, when p- people come at you with questions like, well, couldn't the birth mom change your mind and couldn't this happen? And, you know, they kind of, like you said, it's risk and it's, it's weird. It's this novel. All those fear responses come out. Yeah. I just, I don't know why I am always shocked by what God does because he's the creator of the universe. Like, hello, he can do anything, (laughs) but (laughs) it's like really through me, you had to do this to teach me what lesson what I've learned in adoption is I am so not in control and like how love that song. How did I forget that you are the king of the world? And I really feel like I died to my own idols through adoption or I have, um, a little bit and now they're back. So, um, still working on that. so maybe another, uh, we got to adopt an, another kid. Maybe huh? we would, we would like we're going to grow our family and it'll be through adoption because uh, oh, awesome! someone is no longer, uh, has his fertility over here. Oh, we took care of that before we adopted. Gideon once we too. knew that we were just yeah. through <laughs> adoption. So yeah. You don't want risk Ruthie to have to go through the 40, yeah. 40 weeks remember, of hell again. Remember right, 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 uh, right. your pregnancy with, with Allie and the pups. 
You had that? Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. That was uh, I I was one of those It was ridiculous. I was it one was of those unicorn I was one of those unicorn ladies uh, that like love their like amazing pregnancy until like the last 2 weeks and I, I thought I was going to like scratch my skin right, and my eyeballs out. Oh my gosh. One of these things and the only thing that worked the only thing that worked was this like weird soap that smelled like campfire oh. <laughs> and a lot of which steroids. I found oddly arousing, but Danielle was having none of it at that point. <laughs> oh Actually, my God. at that point, they said they told me once I got the kid out of me, it would just disappear. So I was I was all about anything that would get the kid out and get make my itching stop. But anyway. <laughs> that's a whole other story okay so y'all y'all decided that you were going to adopt you you start the roller coaster of you know filling out the paperwork and meeting with these people and that and so take us through the ups and downs of how Gideon finally landed in your family I will say one of the the downs or and also this is kind of a what I learned about myself through adoption is realizing that the world is there's so much world out there that I'm not exposed to and the world is just so broken and an adoption comes out of brokenness it's not a solid couple who is financially stable and has a great community of support and is excited about this baby, just placing a baby for adoption. It is homelessness and mental illness and rape and drugs and alcohol. And so just seeing that and seeing these, these, these birth moms are presented to us and they, they work with these agencies and just seeing what they go through in life is very humbling, also devastating Um, made me feel very grateful for what God has Mm -hmm. chosen for our lives, but just, you can never unsee the things you see sometimes. And I, I, I've, I've never been on a mission trip, but I know that those change people because they get to see how people live day to day. That was a challenge. Um, also a huge motivator too, for us to continue through the process. These babies are coming out of these situations that are sometimes disgusting and illegal or, you know, just devastating. We can be a small, small part of the change. So that was a, that was a a down part of it. But, um, we got matched with a birth mom expecting a baby girl, um, four months before. So we had a, a pretty long match in the adoption world and we got to spend four months just loving on her and getting to know her and had a relationship with her Skyping, uh, texting, and it was wonderful. It was a really sweet time. Um, and the agency kept saying, "You guys seriously hit the lottery! Like this is the best!" Like it was, it was actually a couple, and they did have other children, and they were just like, "This is seriously the best situation! Like you guys could not be luckier here." And by best meaning, there was no drug exposures or alcohol, yep. and yeah. you know, the agency thought, "Man." they're going to place this baby. You shouldn't be worried. And, and it was a really interesting, like it was great. Also walking on eggshells because someone else has your baby in another state. And, and, you know, I wanted to be intentional with get, getting to know her without just wanting to know about the baby, but it was such a fun time to get to love on this mom who was down and out. And, um, and then ultimately 
the baby girl was born and she was healthy and, and she is beautiful and the mom couldn't place her for adoption. Um, and she, you know, through, through all of that, I never was angry. I was sad. It's, it's, we, it was very weird to prepare for a child for four months and our bags are packed to fly across the U S and to be told, no, this is not happening but we were never angry. I, I felt a lot of joy when I found out she wasn't going to have to leave her birth mom. Because to me, adoption isn't, I never want to take somebody's baby from them. Like the ultimate, most beautiful thing is when a child can stay with their, with their, with their parent. That's, you know, what the gospel is, us being united with God forever. So I, I wasn't angry. I felt a weird sense of joy and devastation at the same time. Yeah, we, I mean, the first part of it was, you know, calling on all our, our community around us just to, you know, pray that they're going to make the right decision for this baby, right? Worrying about, you know, her well-being, can this family take care of her? And then once we knew that it was official, that she was definitely not going to be ours, then it was just, you know, healing as quickly as we could, which for four days kind of felt like forever, And just a lot of tears and a lot of us just, you know, wrestling with, okay, she wasn't ours and life will go on. And And she wasn't ever ours to begin with. She wasn't ours until, until the birth mom would have signed. And so we felt oddly at peace, but also very sad, sad that we wouldn't have a baby, but a baby was born and healthy and she got to stay with her mom. Mm -hmm. And that is a beautiful thing. We'll get back to our conversation in just a moment, but we wanted to take a minute to talk about what it takes to build a legendary marriage. We're going to focus on community because we believe that isolation is the enemy of a legendary marriage and community is a big part of the solution. You see, the truth is your spouse cannot meet all your relational needs and it's crazy to try to make them. Doing so creates unneeded strain and codependence is simply not healthy. So men need to have connection and community with other good men. And women need same with other good women. And together you need a few couples who can stand with you as you find a way over, around, or through every challenge life has to offer. See, we all long for a place to belong to, for a people to belong to, a tribe where we're supported and encouraged, where we can do the same for others. And our community on Facebook makes it easy. This is a group where you can connect with other couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. So come join the conversation. Share your ideas, insights, experiences, victories, and failures in a circle of men and women who will support and encourage you. Be a part of this movement of couples. We're transforming their marriages and families forever. It's an amazing group. We hope to see you there soon. You can find us over at legendarymarriage.com slash community. And now back to the show. To think now, if we wouldn't have gone through the pain, like where would our lives, taking Gideon out of the picture, just like how we became stronger as a couple. And like, we felt, okay, all we have is each other right now. And we know how each other feels, but like, man, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And that is the truth. Mm -hmm. And there were, there's still so many sweet little details too. Like I I got to chat with the birth mom two days after the baby was born and and she just kept apologizing me. And I said, 
this is your daughter. Like, don't apologize to me. This, no, you, you can't apologize. And she said, hey, talking about her name. And I said, this is what we were going to name the baby girl. And her name was going to be Penny Grace. And I shared our last name, Hart. We'd never shared that with her before. It was just kind of something the social worker said, let's not share that yet. And mm -hmm. she said, hey, can I send you a picture of the baby? And at first I was very, very defensive. I was like, no, I don't want to see that because that yeah. could have been my daughter. And then I, I looked at John and I said, I need to see that baby just so I can kind of have closure. So she sends me the picture of the baby and on her leg is the most visible and dark birthmark in a perfect heart shape. And <laughs> it is like, God is just cool and interesting and unique. And I think we were meant to be a part of her life, not in the way we assumed, but kind of like in a little imprint on her. And so in a, in a midst of devastation, I just cried tears of joy. Like, I see you, God, you are not, <laughs> you are still there and we're still doing this. Um, but that was, it just reminded me when you said it's not all neat and tidy and there's pain and there's joy in the same story. Yeah. You said you have this amazing community around you and then you guys got some other news <laughs> and your community came around you even more. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So again, as we were kind of coming out of the fog of mourning this whole thing, which four days, like, how can you come out of, of anything in four days? It was weird. I came home though on Tuesday, the day we got the call about Gideon. And I was like, John, I felt good today. Like I'm going to own that God gave me peace for right now. And whether that's temporary, but I feel good. I like, I can finally go outside and not just, you know, be devastated. I put kind of myself together and I said to him, I just want you to know that this is how I'm feeling. It was weird to like, and that was the same day you got a call that there was another baby waiting for you. Yes. Yes. Which well, is, and not just that, that she had said, I just want, I don't think I can do another long <laughs> match. Like I just want to, I just want to get a uh, <laughs> shortest so, match possible. And Please, literally that's seriously. what happened because I'm quite impatient and now you've made me wait. And, and, and she even flippantly was like, and I bet we're going to have a boy or something. Like we've got this girl nursery just waiting for us. And sure enough, we get a call. My baby has been born. It's a boy that, Agency's like, we don't even know if you guys even want to hear about this. And I was like, yes, uh, I want yes, a baby right now. <laughs> we want to hear about and yeah, I mean, to send our book to, you know, to get the yes from the birth mom to. And then getting uh, to know her. And it was also, it was all so fast, but just felt so right. Like we weren't be dating to it. Be dating the birth mom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah well, Heck yeah. Sure. Via Skype. It was awesome. But one, again, another really cool thing. So Monday night, November 7th, little did we know Gideon was being born at 6 p.m. Vegas time. So Pacific time, it's 8 p.m. Austin time. That night, a bunch of my girlfriends came over and brought me just, I am talking mountains of chocolate because that's how I cope. That's how I, I mean, that's just. It's your love language. So we were upstairs in our game room and laughing and crying. And it was so good. And I said, you guys, I just want to get a call that a baby's already been born. I don't want to have to wait. And I'm sure it will be a boy because I have this gorgeous, I have matching outfits for Lucy mm -hmm. and this baby girl. And I'm sure <laughs> it's going to be a boy. 
And at that moment, Gideon was being born. And it was just shocking. But then again, it's not shocking because this kind of stuff happens. And the next day we got the call and we called just our small community instead of letting the world know, like, just, hey, will you pray that if we step out in faith that this is what we're supposed to be doing? Not just hungry, give us any baby like that, you know, shows up on our doorstep, but like. And was there fear there that like, oh, now this is going to fall through too? Yeah. 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 Probably more guarded than we were before, right? Just like, okay, well, nothing is official until it's official. And they weren't going to ask us to hop a plane until the birth mom had signed over rights. So we were a little more protected then. Yeah. So we waited until she signed um, parental, you know, consent, uh, terminated her rights. And I remember that day, knowing that the day she was going to sign saying, God, if she doesn't sign, then that's okay. Then this wasn't our son. And this was just another step closer to whoever our baby is. Um, And of of course we got the call that she did sign and hopped on the next plane. Um, And it was, just the most thrilling part of our lives up until, I mean, I hope nothing as thrilling will happen. (laughs) Maybe it will, but um, just to like go book a flight and get head to Vegas on Friday night at 9 PM with a bunch of other people who are probably going for different reasons than us. Yeah. Different flying on a whim to Vegas on a Friday night than most. (laughs) With an empty car seat declaring we have a son and just, it all happened within a week. I don't know if you were sharing about that, like as it was happening, but I remember seeing a post on, I think Facebook, like headed to the airport, going to Vegas. And I was like, what? That doesn't sound like <laughs> yeah, that. That sounds exactly like the hearts. Yeah. We are just gamblers, you know? <laughs> it's part of the grieving process, a spontaneous sure. gambling trip. <laughs> We're going to go spend all of the money we saved for our adoption. <laughs> Ooh, jeez. We yeah. never went out to the strip when we were there. So it's that true. was good. We behaved ourselves. <laughs> it was just a thrill, though. It was a thrill. Now, when you, when you met Gideon, was or, or even just leading up to that, was there any like apprehension that you know, am I gonna love this baby as much as my biological? Like, were there voices in your head that were like kind of taking over at all? I mean, I, for me, not I don't know, I, I don't think I really I, I tend to uh not pre think about things like. And she hates Which it. I she hate. hates, she hates this about I'm me. like, are you excited for our wedding? And he's like, I won't get excited until I'm walking down the aisle. Yeah, you know, I, like until it's happening. I, I'm I'm not <laughs> just spending all my time. That was extreme. That thinking was about extreme stuff. So yeah, I, I wasn't just sitting there worrying and wondering. I was just excited to meet him. I was the opposite though. I am like I thought I was having a girl and I have two sisters and I have this vision in my mind and I'm excited, but what if I look at him and I don't feel a connection to him? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I even thought that when I, when I was pregnant with my second kid, like, what if I don't have a connection that I do, you know, cause I'm, you're so obsessed with your first kid. How could you ever love another person so much? And I was nervous. Like I don't, I didn't want it to feel like a replacement but I was glad it was a boy 
because it was different and it wasn't a replacement girl. Yeah. But when I saw him and we have video of when we saw him for the first time and I looked at him and I, he was just my son and it felt. Yeah. That felt. Having, having not carried any babies up to this point, right. Myself personally, it didn't feel any different having somebody hand me my new baby. Right, right. So, because I've never thought of it that way. In the past, is like yeah, here's so, your newborn. There you go. Yeah, regardless of the logistics, you know, of the first two. I mean, at the end of the day, somebody hands you your new baby, and it's like, hey, here's your new baby, and yeah, it didn't feel any different to me. It was every bit as special. So, and how many times a week do we talk about? Isn't it weird? Gideon like isn't our biological kid. Like you <laughs> would, he's he's darker than our other kids, but like. It's so weird that we adopted him. He is just, he's our son. And I just you know what? That's so funny because I always think that about Gideon, that he looks like he's a heart. Right. <laughs> like you said, even though, you know, he's darker skinned, I always see him as, you know, all five of you guys, you know, you belong together. It's yeah. maybe it's the monogramming, the matching, I, monogramming. And matching the matching tank tops that I have for the boys <laughs> for the summer, you know, and uh, the ladies today actually at the, at the gym said, do you mind if we ask you what is Gideon's race? And we don't want to offend you. And I was like, no, this, that's awesome. <laughs> Too we, late, we're we adopted Gideon and they were like, oh, we thought, you know, he kind of looks like Tiger Woods. So we thought he was <laughs> black and Asian. And the Hispanic girl was like, no, I thought he was Hispanic. And but he does look like Ford. They have the same smile. And so, so it's I, it's not like he wears a shirt that says I'm adopted. So I never know what people think, you know, of our family. Um, yeah. And if they ask, I will, you know, depending on who they are and how they ask, but I'm, I'm loving, I love to talk about him and his story. Yeah. I'm just wondering for the two of you now, you have three very little children. Mm -hmm. Like how has your marriage shifted now that you have three teeny tinies? We just have to be good at teamwork. I mean, everything is teamwork and it, I've thought about this, how, you know, when you used to be like, uh, another chore, Hey, do you want to go take that thing out? You know, go empty the, whatever, clean the thing over here. Now it's just like, you just do it. Like as soon as you see something that needs done, you just go do it. Like we're, I feel like we're just a good. Or it's, do you want to do this? Or do you want to do this? Do you want to, you know, clean the dog poop or do you want to go bathe the, the kids or whatever? But, um, yeah, my yeah, response I, there is always, I don't want to do it, <laughs> but I'll do both. <laughs> but I'll do both. I now, always choose the avenue that I can listen to my book on audio, my audiobook. So, <laughs> yeah, or escape. I would say, though, that bringing Gideon home was um, not, not the adoption portion of it, but just having another baby was the most challenging year of our family, our, our marriage just because we had them so quick and it's three kids who need absolutely everything done for them. And it was hard. It was emotional. And, and John, since I wasn't nursing Gideon, we did 50, 50 at night. And that was really helpful for me, but it was also the first time John got exposed to like, wow, newborns and babies, they are up a lot. And so 
we were tired and it took until Gideon was one that I felt like I had my head above water. Mm. That is just, yeah. Also the nature, obviously they're so close, but you are outmanned. Like you're in his own defense and just doing what you can to, to keep your head above water. I mean, and so we've had to was... fight for like time together and whether that's less sleep, which is so hard to give up. Um, and now we are so game people. Our mm. dates have to be at home. Like our kids have an early bedtime so we can at least have an hour. And that's something that I felt like I held on to by like, a strand the past yeah. you know, first year of having Gideon home. It's like, at least I know that we can have a little bit of time together, but sometimes you are just head down working, getting the kids, doing all the things and managing babies. And we're glad to be out of that phase right now. Oh yeah, It was oh, very can, hard. Can I, can I ask you a question? You said people ask about Gideon's race. I want to ask about his name. It's a very unique name. Yes. Uh, how did you come up with his name? Okay, so sounding super Christian-y, God <laughs> revealed it to us three times. Um, we had one friend come who we're not even really that close with from church. And she, on the day of our failed adoption, she was somebody that I was in Bible study with. So we were praying together. And so I told her and she said, I'm coming over. And she drove like 45 minutes from South Austin and sat on my couch and said, the whole way here, I was thinking about the story of Gideon and God wanted me to share it with you. And I'm like, okay, all I know about Gideon is those little Bibles that those old people <laughs> hand out. Never heard of the story. Yes, that's so funny. And so then she tells me the story of Gideon and how he had to trust that God needed to take away his entire army to go defeat the Midianites. Because if he defeated them with 20,000 people, it'd be, you know, look at how great I am. But he defeated them with 300 people. So we can say, God, you did this. You were the one who, who deserves the glory here. So I'm like, okay, that's great. And I'm still grieving so hard. Then I wake up the next morning, a text from another girlfriend who said, woke up with Judges 6:12 on my heart for you. And I'm like, well, sorry, I don't know the book of Judges. Can't say I really all, read that. We often. all quote Judges. Uh, we all love oh, Judges. 12? Oh, yeah. I was thinking the six. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you know, mean. have it tattooed right here. <laughs> and so I Google it and it's like the Lord said to Gideon, I am with you, strong and mighty warrior. And I was like, hmm. That is weird. Less than 24 hours, two Gideons. Weird. And then the next day, so this is the third day that we're mourning. I'm watching Zootopia with my kids and there's a Gideon in it. Yeah. And I was like, I have never heard this name before <laughs> in three times. So I said to John, call me crazy. God, like this name Gideon. So if we have a son, we should probably name him Gideon, but whatever. I'm still sad. Let's, you know, whatever. And then when we get this call and he's our son, I was like, here we go. Three times, Gideon, you are a little warrior. And mm. his name, I look at him and I just, that is who he was meant to be. Pretty perfect. Be named. And yeah. I love the story. And if he can be half the man that Gideon was in the Bible and just trust God um, and his birth mom chose the name Aaron. So that's his middle name and mm. kept that to honor her. Um, so that's, Which is also good too. It's a great name. Yeah. I, the we, story of Gideon is one of my favorites. Really? Yeah. 
You love judges. Because, Would you be? I thought I you were being it. sarcastic. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I tell it every time we do a Braveheart intensive. Oh, and, and the begin- with Legos? The beginning, what's that? With Legos? No, no, no. Justin likes to bring Legos to his coaching game. But, but Gideon's story kind of starts out with uh, his town is being overrun. He's hiding in the wine press, like in a basement. Right. And he's the smallest guy in the smallest tribe. And it's just this story of defeat. Mm-hmm. And he's hiding there, basically just ashamed and afraid and everything. And an angel of the Lord appears and says, Hail, mighty warrior. And he kind of, he, the you know, I'm paraphrasing wildly, obviously, but he goes, Are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. Like, He's like looking around like there's nobody else here. Do you you not see me hiding here in the, in the basement? And and the angel says, no, no, no. Hey, almighty warrior. And it's, it's, it's this bestowing of a new name. It's this bestowing of an identity that's so much greater than his original story. Oh, yes. So So good. good. So good. I don't think I've ever really thought of it as like an identity too. And I thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. And I think God still continues to reveal to me through the story of Gideon, just things about myself and just his character traits. And so I love it. Hearts. You know what? This was a good, good conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Well, I hope you got some good stuff. I said it's, I listen to podcasts all the time. And so when I was thinking about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I hate when people do on podcasts? What do I love? Like, so I've probably done all the stuff that I hate. And (laughs) (laughs) okay. Okay. Ruthie, let us know because we, as yeah, yeah, we, we, what, what we do do a podcast a week. So tell us what you hate and what you love. No, I really don't hate anything. So yes, you do. Just tell us. I I just listen to podcasts that I like, so I don't really hate anything. What I love though, is laughing and so not that I was trying to make myself laugh but I'm so glad there was natural laughing in there yeah <laughs> this is the, the lightest funniest topic to just no but into. I think yeah, yeah, what, yeah. I, what I don't like is the awkward like wow they have nothing to talk about and then you can tell the interviewers like looking through their notes okay Ooh. so on to the next thing but Ouch. this has been so natural <laughs> and what, cool. what's one of your favorite shows right now Okay, love the podcast with Knox and Jamie. If you don't listen, I've heard of it. I have not. They just launched a new podcast called The Bible Binge, where they go through Bible stories with a pop culture type um, feel to it. And they have like a Bible scholar who comes, like, it's, it's biblical, so they're not like making up stories. But it is hilarious, you guys. And it, the podcast is great because it's a man and a woman. And so it's not like, oh, I'm just going to go listen to these ladies chat. But it is hilarious. You guys. That must be something she hates. Two ladies chatting. <laughs> no, I, I mean, love the happy hour with Jamie Ivy. I just have to, am I, am I wanting to really laugh? Am I wanting to like listen to This American Life, like serial? Do I want to, you know listen and feel like I'm having a sermon. So mm, yeah. one of my new favorites right now is typology. 
Oh, I need it, to, what is it's that? With Ian Cron, he uh, breaks down the Enneagram <gasps> with every one of his guests. I'm like kind of an Enneagram nerd. So I, I enjoy that right now. So I want to read that book about the Enneagram. Uh, Back to you. Yes, that's yeah. on my list to read. It's, you know, it's inaudible. It's a good read. All right. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for sharing your, uh, your uh, podcast yeah. downloads here too. So yeah. your number one favorite is the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Yeah. Number two, pod, yeah. you know, Bible bitch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. See my shirt? Words in her mouth, huh? marriage right here. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you guys so much. I love how every step of the way, their community, their friends, their tribe, whatever you want to call it, was always part of their adoption story. Yes, exactly. It sounded like from day one, um, their friends were the ones that were by their side while their family thought they were crazy. And I feel like that's true a lot of times with us, too, is like sometimes our, you know, you're you're family they've known you since you were a little kid they've known all the mistakes that you've ever made in your whole life and so sometimes your friends can really be that support that you need for the ups and downs and even when some especially when something risky comes about because i think your family wants to shield you from anything risky or dangerous but your friends kind of cheer you on yeah. And they're there to support you. And us for us too, like our family is not nearby. So our friends are really close friends, just like Ruthie and John. They're we call them family. Yeah, we talk about this all the time. Yeah, friends. Just the need for community and within that community a, a tribe that like a, a small group of people, a family, F R A M I L Y of people who truly deeply know you. You're my person. Yeah. The, the no I'm like from Grey's person from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. But like people that know you, the strengths, the weaknesses, the good, the bad, the ugly, your dreams, your fears, and they stand in it with you. They encourage you and invest in you and support you and vice versa. Yeah. Like it only works when it's it's bo- it goes both ways. Yes. Those are the most important people to us, the both wayers. Yeah. And we've been blessed over the years. We've got people that we've met in a small group a decade ago. Mm-hmm. We have people that we are still connected with from a small group 20 years ago. We've got friends from high school, friends from, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's those relationships where... They're if, lifers. Yeah. If you take a look at the tapestry of your, your relational life, there's probably three to five people for each of you who you go, if I called them at three o'clock in the morning and said, help, they would, they would say how, when, and where, and they'd be there. And where do we bury the body? Yeah. <laughs> or don't tell anybody where we bury the body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's getting a, a bit of a grim turn there. Uh, you realize this is recorded and out there. Yes, yes, know. yes, yes. Okay. If so something we- happens to me. <laughs> All right. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Every week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Danielle. Yes. Yeah, so Ruthie and John this week, they acted 
on something that they knew God had put on their heart to do. So here's the question. What is something that God has put it on your heart to do and he just continually reminds you of it, even though it might be risky? A big dream, a big idea that you want to go after together or... Maybe in life. Yeah, maybe something in between. Share that with your spouse. Talk about that this week together. Next week, we'll be talking with Glenn and Debbie Kirkpatrick, co-authors of Overcome, a story of intervention, rescue, and redemption. And they share some of their amazing story about surviving cancer and learning to live in the moment. Here's a sneak peek into that conversation with Glenn and Debbie. We married six years when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, now known as Hodgkin's lymphoma, a cancer in the lymphatic system. So flat out shocked, bewildered, you know, the feeling that one can have is things are fine and then wham. And the thoughts that I I was going to die, I might die, Debbie would not have her husband anymore. And our son, Russell, was two. Mm -hmm. He grew up without his father. They have a really amazing story about coming through a crisis and letting it draw them closer together. Yeah, I mean, every marriage goes through crisis. Yes. In some form or another. Um, It may not be cancer for you. It may be a financial crisis, whatever it is. But are you going to look back and find the blessings like Glenn and Debbie did? Yeah. Or are you going to let it eat you alive? Whoa. Got a little dark there. (laughs) As always, we're talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 084. Finally, we want to help more couples have conversations that matter. So if you love this show, then please let us know. Jump over on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.